0: I'm Margaret Feinberg, and this is The JoyCast. Hi, friends. The wait is over. Welcome to the first episode of the first season of The JoyCast, the hap-hap happiest half hour of your week. As always, I'm your host, Margaret Feinberg, author of Taste and See, Discovering God Among Butchers, Bakers, and Fresh Food Makers. And I'm proud to say I've burned off my eyebrows four different times lighting our gas grill. One of the most often quoted scriptures is that whenever two or more are gathered, God is there. One of the places where people gather most frequently is the table. So when we gather at the table, the Almighty God is literally there. He's the unseen dinner guest. Think about that for a moment. You see, wherever God shows up, things change because God is in the transformation business. How many of you have sat down at a table and had an unexpected conversation and something changed? Maybe your preconceptions about someone were dismantled, or your anger or bitterness toward another was thawed these little miracles reveal that the table can become a place of divine transformation. Unfortunately for many of us today, we think of the table only in terms of consumption rather than transformation, the place we get what we need rather than become who we're intended to be. How would your meal times be different if you expected God to show up? One of the things that I've been doing is taking time to pray before guests arrive, to ask God to pull up a chair, to make His divine presence known. Then, sometime during the evening, I'll gently ask, where have you noticed God at work in your life? This simple practice can revolutionize a gathering. Now, when I sit to eat with neighbors or friends I'm now expecting God to show up and show off. And nobody does this better than my friend, Christine Kane, best-selling author of Unexpected. And for those of you who have read Taste and See, you know that in chapter two, I ended up on a wild fishing expedition in Israel. Do you know how that came about? I was at a party eating, and I sensed the Holy Spirit nudge, go to Christine Kane. And ask if she knows a fisherman in the Galilee. Now, when I asked, she said, Well, let me work on that. And soon after, I was on my way to Israel to meet a fisherman named Edo in the Galilee. And that one adventure transformed the way I saw fish in the Bible and transformed the entire book. So, as you're going to see in this conversation, those kinds of God moments are just routine when it comes. To Christine, this conversation is going to set your soul on fire. So pull up a chair and let's get this party started. Hi, Christine. I am so thrilled to have you, oh, dear friend, on the Joycast. Margaret, I am psyched to be
1: on this. I'm so happy.
0: (laughs) Well, today, what I want to do is I want to talk about the table as a place of divine transformation. This idea that when we gather with others, uh, especially people of faith, God often shows up and surprises us. And my question for you, I want to ask, is if there was one divine dinner party in the Bible the one that you would choose to attend, maybe it would be the wedding of Canaan, the the last supper, uh, the dinner after the two men were on the road to Emmaus and had their eyes open. If you had to pick one divine dinner party, which one would you pick?
1: I think the wedding at Cana, because I mean, I love the fact that that's the first recorded miracle. I mean, to have been there. Could you imagine?
0: I can't, I can't. And I think if they said that the, the, the last wine, was the best wine? The best, the absolute best from the Napa Valley, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. Can you think of a time specifically when you remember the table becoming kind of a catalyst for the transformation of God and experiencing that 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 powerful transformational moment?
1: You know, I mean, I've got so many, Margaret, you know, um I'm Greek, so the table always um, you know, Greeks are loud and everything happens around a table. And I come from a, a Greek Orthodox background. And so um, to be Greek is to be Orthodox. And growing up in Australia, basically our faith and the table, it, it was all interwoven. So I think I had a lot of moments, even growing up, where I saw powerful things. And then in my, um, when I really became a fully devoted follower of Jesus and um, started going to, Hillsong, so much of our community life is around the table. And because we have churches all around the world, you know, I say people see me um, doing things kind of like on a platform or maybe speaking or teaching, but most of our ministry actually happens around tables. I mean, Nick and I are sitting around with people nonstop and pastors and leaders, and I could not tell you how many moments of where God has shown up in powerful ways, where we've had the opportunity to really speak into people's lives, where people have spoken into our lives, where there have been tears, where there has been prayer, where there has been restoration. I think some of the most powerful things that have happened uh, for me personally around a table when it comes to other believers is um, powerful moments of healing and restoration. I think in um, relationships of talking about past wounds that have been healed. There are things that can happen when you linger over a table that actually cannot happen, you know, in a one hour service.
0: I know I've experienced that with you firsthand. I mean, it has been a privilege in the, in the meals that we've shared and sitting together and eating, but you have this intentionality about the questions that you ask. In other words, I think a lot of times when we come to the table, we come maybe with surface questions or the common ones, but you get right in there. What are some of your go-to questions or approaches that you've found to kind of unlock people's heart and, and to make space for transformation at the table?
1: Well, you know, Margaret, I, I love people, and um, I wish I had a shallow side. <laughs> My husband probably wishes I had one too, a little bit more. But people often meet me and go, Christine, you're you're like a little extra. That you're a lot, and I'm going. I wake up like this. I'm not even. <laughs> um, I, I don't have a kind of a, a, a middle switch. It's on off, like you know. That, that's it. So um, I, I have such a zest for life. And I think because I think probably because there was so much brokenness in my past, um, you very quickly you can identify uh, where places are broken or damaged, maybe in yourself and then in other people. Because I've had to walk through so much healing, um, and so when I sit down with someone, you know, I, I mean, great, I'd love to know whether you maybe like what you like to watch on Netflix this week. But you, as you know, as we've sat together, I'm, I'm really not going to go there after about ten. 10- <laughs> I'm like, great, now, boom. And I think part of that is the Holy Spirit working in me too. I I don't know, I just kind of, it's different for every person, but I want to really connect with what's going on inside. What is God doing in you? What's the Holy Spirit doing in you? What is he saying to you? Um, And then on top of all of that, I I think because I've had so much brokenness in my past, people feel safe in lots of ways. It's just you can tell that... um, Hopefully I hope i'm a, a safe place that you know I, I really want to know what's what's going on what are you feeling uh, what are you feeling that God's doing what are you feeling about the future what's hurting in your life where are some areas of brokenness that maybe we can find some points of connection and then maybe um, get up from the table a little bit more whole than we were when we first sat down together and I think a lot of that just comes that I honestly deeply love people and I deeply uh, believe that sitting around a table together eating and drinking together walls come down and you can connect at a level that our super uh, our super connected but highly superficial world can't connect at so there's you know we're highly connected on social media and everyone likes everything and everyone can do a quick comment on something and then we feel that we've had a point of connection um, uh, you know a point of touch is not necessarily a point of true connection I, I feel like a little bit like when I sit down at the table gives you that time and space to go. We can go deeper here, and i 'm looking more for i 'm as strange as this might sound you know Jesus was walking through the crowd where so many people touched him, but only one woman reached out and really grabbed the hem of his garment in in a Strange way, I kind of feel that the table is a place where we can grab a hold of the hem of his garment together. And that's the place I can go to where I can stop and go, Oh no, we're going deeper together now. Um, it's more than the superficial touch points that maybe social media or just modern society. There's just all these quick little touch points, but not really deep connection points. When I sit down with someone, I want to know what is God doing in your life. And, um, and when we get up from that table, really, I I truly believe this. I I want this in every encounter of my life, that that there's a little bit more healing or restoration or reconciliation or hope that has transpired through that interaction than would otherwise happen if we hadn't sat at the table together.
0: And that is the life of Christ. I mean, when we look at the Gospels, Jesus was either coming to a meal From a meal, or about to be hosted at a meal. I mean, he's literally, he's this like foodie man wherever he went, and and I think it is in part because this idea, exactly what you're saying, of being around the table, but but not just being there, being intentional. I know I've sat with you, and you've asked me that question: What is God doing in your life? Um, I've started asking just uh, the same question. And sometimes based on the, even the people who maybe have never encountered God, don't even believe there's a God, you know, reframing it as the idea of where, where are you seeing kind of a divine presence moving in your life? And so sometimes just lightening the language a little bit can still help people who may not even believe in God open up to that conversation that, well, yeah, there is this kind of other force thing out there that is at work. Do you find that as well, even when you're talking to people who maybe don't know Jesus yet?
1: Non-stop. And I mean, you know, I intentionally, like I would say, like my my primary calling is an evangelist. So I'm always looking for opportunities to be sitting at a table with people that don't follow Jesus. And I love that because it's so, food is so disarming, you know, food and wine, and it's just disarming. And it's a place where we get, I don't think they even realize that there's a divine presence there. (laughs) Yeah, they're just like wondering but they don't want to leave. And I I think, you know, I I changed gyms recently because I I wanted um, a new trainer. And I mean, boy, you know, I I walked into a place and I thought, whoa, okay, these these people are really far from God. It's awesome. But I'm telling you, every time I come back into town, I mean, people from that gym are texting me, when can we get together? When can we go out to dinner? Can we come to your place for dinner? Because um, it is so powerful. uh, The conversations that happen and how I know there's a sense they're leaning in. They don't want the dinner to end. Like seriously, I'm, I'm going, you know, um, to a celebration. My daughter's uh, closest friend is uh, a young secular Jewish. She comes from a secular Jewish family, and her parents they love us. They're like, "Can you come over? We're celebrating Hanukkah," which I don't even <laughs> practicing Jewish people, but anyway, like they're like, you know, "Can you come over?" They want us at that table because. Um, we really connect and they're business people and we talk about their life and kids and what's going on. And what I find is they keep leaning in and there's something that happens at a table that doesn't happen anywhere else. And so my first port of call, for anyone that I'm trying to even establish a relationship with is come over for dinner or let's go out for dinner. Let's sit around a table because that space, its it, it levels the playing field. I think it just brings us all around. And I love what you said, because I'm thinking in the scripture that, I mean, the disciples were obsessed with food. Jesus was obsessed with you know, it, even when the Bible says, you know, when the story of the fish and loaves, you know, they'd been teaching and they had, didn't even have time to eat. So Jesus says, let's go to the other side so we're going to have something to eat. And they're always obsessed with food. Um, The woman at the well, he's sitting at the well and the disciples have gone into the village to get food. So it, yes, food is very important um, to Jesus and I think he means it to be important for us. Now coming from a Greek uh, household, everything centred around the table. Everything centred around food. So I think we've carried I mean, you know, I live a full on life, but um but it really I would say my life is more focused around the table than it is the public platform, although the platform is where people see me, but where most of my effective work is done is around that table. And so I love the opportunity to um to be with non believers because I think it's so I think the table is so disarming and unifying.
0: As you talk, I mean, first of all, my soul is just overflowing and just full. Uh, but a couple of things that you've pointed out that I think is so key for myself and as well as listeners is that idea that that often even in your your past, your brokenness actually can make you a safer place for others. And and I think there's a lot of listeners out there who who don't see their brokenness, don't see their woundedness, don't see their past pain as is, is actually as is creating a haven. That other people can be loved in and nurtured out of. Can you talk to us about that?
1: Yeah, very definitely. And I think you know, um, people may admire um, our strengths, but they'll only ever connect with our weaknesses and our brokenness. And so, if you're looking for connection point, you know, even when um, when Jesus was dividing the fish and the loaves, you know, he kept breaking. While he kept breaking, people kept eating. And um, it's out of the most broken places of my life and the most broken times that people. Most strongly connect. They may admire, you know, the work I do with A21 or Propel, but the connection comes when I start talking about, you know, being abandoned at a hospital, being adopted, uh, being unnamed, unwanted, being sexually abused for twelve years. It's those connection points or or different failures, you know, of um, times in my life where um, I made mistakes or I failed Uh, around those places because everyone is broken, and so. Everyone is looking, um, for someone to go, Hey, me too. And you know what? In that broken place, Jesus met me. My entry point to talking about Jesus, uh, 99% of the time is through the broken pieces of my past, um, more than the strengths of some of the things that I've gotten more accolades for in my present. And so I always, uh, keep saying, you know, Jesus told the disciples, go and pick up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces. And I wonder if we we wonder why, because you've got to collect the broken pieces of your past and know the same God that got me through this is the same God that's going to be able to get anyone through anything. And um, if I just look at my strengths and what I'm doing today in the present, then I'm going to begin to think that I'm okay and I've actually got the ability to navigate my own life. And that is so far from the truth. But when I look, when I hold onto my basket full of broken pieces, and I've got plenty of them, Margaret, over the last 52 years of my life, um, those broken pieces are actually what hold me closer to Jesus because I know somehow he has fed multitudes around the planet from the broken pieces of my life. And if he can do it, you know, for me, he can do it for anyone. And if he's done that for me and been able to somehow paint a tapestry of grace through the broken pieces of my past, then whatever difficulty I'm going through in my present, he's going to be able to do the same. It's the broken places that enable me to keep trusting Jesus in my present and for my future. It's not my strengths or successes, not at all
0: there's a sense of coming to the table where you come with that brokenness, which is also a, an expression of openness. Um, but I think it's even more than openness that, that that it's part of the equation of, of seeing God's power unleashed to see lives transformed, but there's also something and it's in your voice. It's in your countenance. It's just, it just, you're a little firecracker. You just burn with this. And that is expectation. Talk to us about expectation and our expectation in God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and how that is a precursor to transformation.
1: Well, I think I love that. And I love because, um, you know, uh, Jesus often said, it's according to your earnest expectation. Uh, You know, whether it's um, Bartimaeus wanting his sight or, you know, the lame man wanting to walk or the deaf man wanting to hear. Um, Jesus, you know, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, to the man at the pool of Bethesda, you know, um, do you want to be healed? I mean, do you have an expectation that I can do something for you? And I often think of the man by the pool of Bethesda. You know, he when Jesus says, "Do you want to be healed?" He at first didn't have any expectation for healing, so there was no transformation in his life because. He gave his excuse, you know, I've got no one to put me in the pool. Everyone else gets in first. And there is healing standing before him. There's Jesus himself standing there and the man's giving all the excuses for why he is, you know, uh, lying by the pool and why he is still broken. And Jesus had to get the man's eyes off what uh, was keeping him on the mat onto himself so that the man would pick up his mat and walk. And so part of what I think when I sit down at a table with someone is I want them to get their eyes off their circumstances. We can start there, but let's elevate them up to this power, power God, this God that is able to still work miracles today, that is still able to move mountains today. And, of course, I have such a strong conviction because I know what Jesus did for me. And there's nothing special about me. And I'm like, if he can do it for me, I feel like the woman of the world. Come and see this man. <laughs> everything that, that I've ever done. I mean, who? Who would say that, man? This dude said, told me everything. And I'm now healed and I'm now whole. And the, the, you know, the, the men of the town and the people of the town said, well, we once believed because you told us, but now we have seen for ourselves. We have heard this for ourselves. I want to raise the expectation level because in an atmosphere of expectation, that's where miracles occur. And then in that place, if I can get them to expect, Psalm 119, that their, their God is good, you know, God is good, God does good. Romans eight twenty eight. he is going to work even all those bad things together for our good and for his glory. If I can just create that atmosphere of expectation, then God will do what only God can do. And so I think a lot of us have lost our hope and lost our expectation and we've gotten our eyes on our disappointments. And I guess that's what happened, you know, with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. I mean, Jesus is walking in the midst of them and they don't even recognize them because they're so overwhelmed by their disappointment. And I think a lot of times we come to the table and we're so overwhelmed with the disappointments that we carry, you know, maybe in our relationships, what's going on at work, in our finances, what's happening in the broader society. And we are so overwhelmed by our disappointments, we don't ever even recognize the Jesus that is sitting with us at the table. So if I can help people have that expectation that he is here, then he, he will do the rest. And I mean the Holy Spirit. Will do what only the Holy Spirit can do. So you and I are carriers of that living water. And I think as we sit down at every table, and there's a feast prepared, and there's beautiful food prepared, and there's you know food and wine and and juice and water and whatever there is at the table, I think what our job is when we sit at that table with everyone that the rivers of living water that are on the inside of us that are greater than any. Pitches of water that are on the table, or any food that is on the table. If we can allow that river of living water to flow out of us, um, then we awaken something within people. And I think that's when people go, Chris, you know, you're a firecracker. You bring so much energy to the (laughs) room. I mean, people say that to me, you know, whoa, there's, but what that is, I think, is um, it's not just a personality thing. You know, I don't think this is an Enneagram number or where you fit on the disc profile. I think you could be a total introvert and there's still, um, rivers of living water. I mean, you and I have a different personality type, but we sit at a table and in a second, you and I are there because there's a deep well. And I truly believe that deep calls unto deep. Again, it's the same rivers of living water in some party atmospheres. Well, that's like, you know, wow, well, let's get this party going. Other times it can be a very quiet, but extremely deep calling unto deep conversation. Same Holy Spirit, same rivers of living water. And it is fueled by this expectation that because God is in our midst, anything can happen, and it probably will.
0: And that is when the transformation of the power of Jesus Christ happens. It is awesome. So something that we always do here on the joy cast before we conclude is we want to get our guests favorite recipe or dish. So can you tell me what, what would be the thing that you love that you or maybe your husband makes? Okay. What we love, I love all food. <laughs> you wrote the book for the right person
1: because I am a foodie always have been um but i love spanakopita uh, um in english spinach pie and so um, you know it's funny I start thinking about greek food and i think in greek i, I literally because it's my first language and so i love spinach pie with loads of feta cheese oh. and so i can still i don't cook nearly as often as i'd like to because i just travel uh so much but anytime i can and my daughters my daughters love 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 cooking um and so a good spinach pie is it gets my heart every time
0: Ooh, and you have shared this recipe with me and i have a hunch our listeners are going to love it too and they're going to get a taste of your heritage and something absolutely delicious and the good news for all of you who are listening is is we're going to put that full recipe um at margaretfeinberg.com forward slash joycast. And you're going to find not just the whole recipe, but the show notes, ways to connect with Christine through her writing, her speaking, and more. Because when she is in town, honey, you don't want to miss her. Thank you so much, sweet friend. I'm so grateful for you, your friendship. And thank you for being with us on the Joycast.
1: It's been my honor. I love you, my friend. Thanks for having me. Love you. you.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Joycast. If you've enjoyed today's conversation and you'd like to dive deeper into the unexpected joys awaiting you around your table, check out my new book and Bible study, Taste and See Discovering God Among Butchers, Bakers, and Fresh Food Makers. These resources will help you savor your life, nourish your friendships, and embark on your greatest faith adventure. You can purchase them at your favorite retailer or margaretfeinbergstore.com. If you do, reach out to me on social media or my website and let me know what you think. Until we meet again, bon appetit and amen.